Meyer Hatchery has pioneered the poultry industry by being the first at a lot of things. This includes the first to offer small minimum orders, a 48-hour live and well policy, a 100% gender accuracy policy, breed stamping of their hatching eggs, leg banding for hard-to-identify rare breeds, and Meyer Hatchery is proud of their commitment to excellent customer service. And as if that wasn't enough, they were also the first hatchery to launch a podcast. Whether you're just getting started on your poultry keeping journey or are a large production operation, Meyer Hatchery is positioned to be able to serve all types of customers. Aside from the large selection of breeds and supplies, they also seek to be an authority of education and knowledge for their customers. Meyer Hatchery is a great one-stop shop for you as a chicken tender. Go to MeyerHatchery.com and use code Drink and Farm to get $5 off on your online order. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. You have a different kind of drinking vessel this morning. So is it a different kind of beverage or is it still coffee? Oh, you know, it's still coffee. (laughs) (laughs) If we were recording this one in the afternoon, I was actually going to do something different but it will have to wait. So I will save it as a surprise. I've got a special bottle of something I'm really excited to open. Ooh. And it is alcoholic. <gasps> I know. <laughs> I'm going to guess the warmer weather helps influence that too. Because now that the weather's starting to kind of get warmer here, I literally looked at my beer drawer the other day and went, I miss you. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like I miss the buzz or anything. It's just nice to have the option once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I'm feeling like just a little more like even keel. So like I can have a beer now and I'm not worried about it, like interacting with my medication or anything weird. Like it's, yeah, now it's a lifestyle. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) So what are you drinking over there? It looked very pretty. It's lunch. (laughs) It's a smoothie. So There's like six ounces of blueberries, a banana, almost a cup of milk. And then I also put in a Oikos yogurt. Oh, yeah. So they have these really great protein yogurts, too. And I got a strawberry flavored one that's 20 grams of protein. So it's a very well-rounded lunch. Yeah. And pretty. (laughs) I mean. Yes. It's purpley. I got the purple people eater song stuck in my head while I was making it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh god. But anyways. <laughs> our drink peep this week is our friend and team member Katie Montgomery, and she is at Sticky Holler Farm over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So in case you haven't noticed, it's our two hundredth episode. Woohoo! Oh gosh. I can't believe it's been two hundred and this is like this feels like a really big milestone. Like I remember a hundred and I remember feeling like a hundred was a really big milestone as well. But 200 just feels like, like we did it. We're here. We're in it. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's taken us out quite yet. (laughs) So 
to celebrate, we wanted you to ask us anything. So we pulled you on Instagram and Facebook to see if you had any questions that you wanted us to answer. So we got a handful and we're going to go through those today. Yeah. So our first set of questions for today, because some of you had more than one question, which we really appreciated, is from Olivia Beach. And she said, so exciting. Congrats on 200. Her first question is, who was the best rooster you ever had? Bev, did you have a best rooster? Because I think you got rid of all yours, right? I did. I got rid of all my roosters. But I have regrets about getting rid of Stephen Rue Morris. Oh, yeah. He was the Barnabettler rooster that I hatched. He ended up having, like, one side of splay leg or something. I'm not really sure what happened. But anyways, it was... My very first hatch, if I'm remembering correctly, gosh, it's been so long. I can't believe I'm not 100% sure, but I feel fairly confident that he was our our first hatch. So I didn't recognize the one size splay leg right away, so it never got fixed. He had a limp, but he was just so beautiful. But he was an asshole through and through. He hated (laughs) my guts like no other, and... I actually wasn't going to get rid of him because he moved a little slower because he limped and he couldn't jump quite as high because he limped. But when I got rid of all the rest of the roosters, it just, it felt like it made sense for him to go too because they were terrorizing my children and anyone who was farm sitting or visiting. And it just became too much for me to handle at that point. And I have not had roosters since then. Yeah. But I do miss him. I miss his pretty feathers. I miss his crow. And I wonder now if, with what I know now, if I could have done something about, you know, the behavior. But we get more confident. Some of them are just a-holes, too. Especially this time of year, I feel like all male poultry is just more aggressive because it's breeding season and they are far more protective. Like, the geese are out of control. Oh, I got bit by my duck the other day. Like, in the hand. It hurt. I He's never acted aggressive towards me at all. I was reaching in the nest to get the eggs out, and he just full-on, like, snagged some skin and pulled. I was like, ah. So I whacked him with my phone to back off. <laughs> I was, like, shielding my hand while I was getting the eggs. So. Oh, my gosh. Who knew it would be so dangerous to have ducks? <laughs> I know. I, do, you, do you think those flat bills would be less dangerous? But anywho, uh, who's your favorite rooster? So mine was probably our first ever rooster because we the house came with 13 chickens, but they were all hens. And then we quickly spiraled into chicken obsession and we got some chickens from Rule King, I think about a month after we moved in. And it was little Rooster Booster Bandit. He was a bantam uh, rooster and he was so sweet. And I'm pretty sure he got picked off by a hawk at some point. So because it was like one of those things where I didn't see it, I didn't hear it, but it happened while I was outside. And I was like, where'd he go? And he was never to be found again. So that was a bummer. But he was just so cute because he's like pocket sized and you could carry him around and he just wanted to eat snacks out of your hand compared to some of the other roosters we've had that have been pretty rude. I definitely miss him. (laughs) Yeah, but he lives on on our watercolor drink and farm logo. So he does. That's special. (laughs) All right. She had uh, a couple more questions. So I'll read the second one. 
The second question that she asked is, if you could farm full-time, what would your main source of farm income be? So this is a tough one because it's something I've been thinking about just in general. Like the obvious answer right now would probably be the selling goats is probably like the most income lucrative thing we do right now. But it pretty quickly gets canceled out by the amount of hay we have to buy. (laughs) (laughs) But if I was doing everything how I would want exactly and living in my own head in my fairy tale, I think it would be probably something related with alpacas because I've been really toying with the idea of like, how do I do that? And do I wait until maybe we move someday kind of thing? I don't know how much you can actually get for fiber and stuff, but I just really like them. (laughs) I've never had one, but if I'm going like super duper fairy tale, I would say it'd probably be like the reindeer farm that I want to do. But I feel like the alpaca thing is probably much more achievable at this point in my life. (laughs) What's really cool about fiber farming is you have a lot of options. So you can shave and skirt the fleece and sell it whole, like on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You can send it to the mill and have it milled into yarn and sell the finished yarn product. Like you can sell it to soapers so that they can make like felted soap or you can make felted soap yourself. I mean, you have a lot of options. And and I do feel like the type of farming that we do, because obviously like this isn't, we don't do commercial agriculture, but we do consider them as farms because of the type of work that they are and what they produce. But I feel like I have a lot of flexibility on my farm. Like I can do anything. I'm not contractually required to raise a specific thing or feed it a certain way or, you know, process it a certain way. Like I really get to experiment and have a good time and and flip between a lot of small things rather than just one big thing, which wouldn't necessarily hold my attention. So if it was your full-time thing, though, what would you pick to be your main source? while still being able to have some flexibility in other areas. So my main source of income is actually, it's not that far off. I, I, I can't reveal it now because it's not final. Oh gosh, that doesn't feel ominous at all. No, I know. It's, it's not meant to be ominous, but I've been working behind the scenes on something like really exciting for the past like m- month or so yeah it's been about a month three weeks guys I don't even know about this or so yeah (laughs) so I think that my main source gosh you don't have to reveal it we can always do a follow-up no I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal it but I think the thing that would make the most money is actually selling soap oh yeah 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 it could it could. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny because I was thinking about it. I have been making soap and experimenting with it. And that's not a secret because I've been posting that on like on the Instagram stories and stuff. I haven't gotten to use any of it yet, but I've been writing recipes and experimenting with it. It's going really well. I'm, I'm having a really great time and I'm using up some goat milk bonus. So it makes my husband happy. But <laughs> the profit margin on goat milk soap, if you do it right, it's like 60 
to 70%, which is a lot at retail. And uh, now like, you know, you gotta sell it wholesale to some, you know, certain shops or certain shops will just sell it on consignment. So you'll lose like 20 or 25%, but it's a relatively lucrative business. So I can see why so many people do it. And I think in an episode, and I don't remember which one it was, I had said something about how you couldn't mix up and make it your full-time job. You can at the right scalable level. (laughs) And depending on what your income needs are. (laughs) And depending on what your income needs are. Yes. I've learned that through my spreadsheets that you totally can. I am not going to stand around and make soap all day because that is just not something that I want to do. But I do think that the soap is going to be the thing that brings in the most money. But my main source of farm income is actually going to be pretty diversified. There's going to be a lot of it. So it it's going to have some agro-tourism. It's going to be some like market green type of stuff, but it will like go and finish products and stuff like that also. So it's going to be a lot. It won't just be one thing. <laughs> and selling baby goats, obviously, although... Yes, obviously. <sighs> breeding and selling baby goats is not the easy way to make money. That's all I'll say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find the selling part the hard part, honestly, for for at least me. Yeah, it's the finding buyers and the like creating enough baby goats that are of the right quality to sell at higher margins. And yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why diversification is really important. So I think that's where it was tough for me to pick like a main source if I was in my ideal, because even with things like inflation, that could impact like your feed costs and your, you know, of any other supplies, inflation, like they're saying is around 8.5% right now, which I think in some areas, it might be more. That's probably just an average. So when you think of that and how that impacts whatever you're doing at whatever scale you're doing, and then you have to upcharge your prices and people are already struggling. So it's important to diversify and maybe even like grow some of the stuff that you're feeding your animals or kind of like, multi-purpose use of your goats because people like I would consider goat milk soap like a luxury item I don't know that everybody would but I feel bougie when I use it so it's good to have like different sources of different things that produce a variety of products so yeah I like it so Olivia did have one more question and I'm glad you're answering first because I've like been chewing this over for days and I have no freaking clue she asked what is your spirit flower? And she does say, very random question right there, sorry. (laughs) So Bev, what is your spirit flower? Because I feel like you probably know. Okay, so I had to think about this also, um, because I actually love (laughs) and grow a whole lot of different flowers. But I decided that I have to pick the nasturtium. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what is it? So a, a nasturtium flower. Gosh, I wish I had a seed packet on me. Clearly, I didn't prepare myself. I'm going to Google it while you talk about it so I can get a picture. And then I'll put a picture on the YouTube as well. Yeah, I uh, get a picture of it. So I love nasturtiums because they come in so many different colors and sizes. They're very beautiful. You can eat them. They can go in salads. Their leaves can be used as greens in salads or sandwiches or whatever as well. So they're super versatile. So they not only bring beauty, but they bring function to the garden, which I think is one of my favorite things because you get to have both. You get to have the joy and the production. And also, I just love the way that they like spread and cascade. They're very whimsical while being 
very like purpose driven, if that makes sense. <laughs> so if if I had to pick a flower that represented me, I, I think that that would be it. It can go in cocktails, it can go in soap, it can go in salads, and it's beautiful and fun and grows really well and 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 it's happiest in the hot summer, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sounds about right. Yeah. All right. So did you think of a spirit flower? Yeah, I think I got one. <laughs> and it sounds funny. At least it does to me because I, I think this flower is named the wrong thing. And I'm going to say that my spirit flower is the pansy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that name for that flower because pansy to me implies that you're not going to do well in multiple situations. But honestly, like you could go out and buy pansies right now and they would probably be fine. I had pansies still going in January because I neglected to actually pull them out of my pots. And I was surprised compared to things like impatience where... They act so dramatic if you forget to just water them in the littlest bit. And then you give them what they need and they perk back up. So I think I'm like a pansy because I can be resilient in a lot of different situations. And I'm nice to look at. Yeah. So I'll go with that. I like it. I love pansies. (laughs) I think pansies are beautiful. And that was a really good spirit flower. Good job. (laughs) Thanks. I'm glad it like came to me when you were talking too. I was like, okay, I can think of one. Yeah, I I figured it would. (laughs) All right. So this question, I think, is more for Bev because I don't have one of these. But Bev, how's your new milker? This individual, I didn't have their name in the screen grab. Oh, I apologize. Anybody who sent me a question, we might not have your name if I can't remember it. And I apologize. I can't remember who sent this question in. They said they have a hand top and they're wondering how your new one is. So Bev, how's your new milker? It's fabulous. I enjoy my hand top. Well, I enjoyed my hand top milker because that is what I started with. I needed something inexpensive that got the job done because when you are learning how to hand milk and having a milker made it possible to like learn how to hand milk. It was too much pressure to have to hand milk because you're kind of panicking, you know, like your goat's going to lose it their milk supply if you don't hand milk right. And so I I bought a milker like almost immediately when I realized how hard it was. And and the hand top one was fabulous because it was inexpensive and it did the job. It was a little rough on the teats though, which was why I really wanted to replace it. And I couldn't like adjust the pulsation or anything. So I would end up with a lot of teat injuries. And then I couldn't use the machine on that dough because it just kept ripping it back open because I couldn't adjust the pulsation. So yeah, but I have a simple pulse now. It was 100% worth the wait. It took forever to get it because it's like made in the USA. It's just like a small family team that like sells it. You can't get them anywhere else except for through their website. It was kind of expensive. By the time it was all said and done, I had the replacement parts and everything else. I probably Mm -hmm. spent $1,200 on it, but it's like fantastic. Like it works every time. And my mother-in-law came over because she's going to be watching the farm for me while I go on a family vacation for a week. And I showed her how to use the machine. 
I showed her once. I showed her one morning. The next day, she milked the goats by herself, and that was what oh, I wow. needed. Yeah, because I needed to be able to leave the farm confidently and know that I wasn't going to come back to goats that weren't in milk anymore or had mastitis or any other issues because they weren't milked out all the way. And with this machine, I can do that. So I love my Simple Pulse. And it's really easy. The new style of Simple Pulse is like kind of dummy-proof. Everything's all closed up. You you don't have to do a ton of assembly. You have to do some and it's oilless, so you don't have to like mess with all of the stuff that you had to with the older style. Because I watched some YouTube videos and I was like, this is intense. I am not mechanically <laughs> or engine inclined in that way, but I'm a fan. So really, really long answer to say I love it. And if anybody's thinking about getting a simple pulse, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yes. All right. Our next question. Oh, we got a couple questions from this person is from Ashley Davis. And she asks, what are your long-term farm goals? Any animals you dream of adding? I feel like I accidentally answered this one already with the alpacas and future long-term goal. Like if I win the lottery, reindeer. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just a non-negotiable. If we win the lottery one day, I'm getting a property where I can have reindeer. Even though it's a total pain in the butt with the government but i'll tolerate it if i have enough money that i don't care about other things (laughs) so i think that's like the two that i'll just kind of stick with for the animals long-term farm girls farm girls farm goals i'm not really committing to anything right now just because i'm pregnant and i have no idea how i'm gonna feel after i give birth (laughs) so i feel like that's a cop out but it's honestly just the truth What about you? So my long-term farm goal is to be growing and supplying all of the like greens and stuff needed for like an in-person market type of shop. Yeah. And also I would like to be able to give like farm tours or farm experiences to people that are visiting our area. And one of these days I'm going to teach those donkeys how to hike, even though I keep (laughs) dropping that off of my actual like action goal list, but it's still in the back of my head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She also asked us what our top favorite farm tour we love is. So do you have a farm tour that you just don't hate doing? (laughs) So I actually really enjoy milking the goats. It's easy. The goats love it. I get to spend some extra time with them every morning. And it also gives me like a touch point for everyone. So like hoof maintenance, vitamins, things like that. Like it's just so easy when so many of the goats are in milk. I would say that I just love the kind of like routine of morning opening everything up and at night closing everything down. So that for me includes feeding the barn cats, feeding the pig, feeding all the goats, feeding the cow, releasing some of the poultry outside, and then kind of doing the reverse. It's a nice like kind of bookend because I typically do that first thing in the morning. And then I now because of the time of year, we close things down after dinner. So it's just I just like that routine. I'm going to make sure I get up from my seat because I have a very sedentary job. So it's nice to have some movement in the morning and at night that is about probably like 20 minutes or so, maybe a little more if I'm doing something by myself at night. But I just appreciate that and getting outside. It's easier to say that now though, now that it's not like freezing and my 
you know, body parts don't feel like they're going to just fall off because it's so cold. But even in the winter, like, it, it's tolerable. Yeah. I always like going outside after I've had a really hard day. Sometimes I don't want to go do chores. But, like, the minute I get out there and I smell the fresh air and I, like, feel, like, the goats in my hands and stuff like that, like, it's an automatic reset. Yeah. For sure. All right. The next question is from Ashley. Would you consider doing a live video if it won't get removed on how you process poultry? I would not do a live video like on Facebook Live or Instagram Live just because (laughs) I feel like some things can go really wrong. Like if you take off a whole chicken head and they pop out of the thing, the killing cone, and they're flopping around. I don't want the world to see that because some people are not ready to experience that. I might talk through that that sort of thing can happen. And maybe it's good to have somebody holding the legs while somebody else cuts off, which is typically what we do. But even with that, like it still popped out when I let go because they do kind of shake pretty violently sometimes. What I am considering doing this next go around because we'll be harvesting probably end of this month or beginning of next month, depending on how things are going with the meat birds we have. I might do something edited and then put it on YouTube. I don't think I will record the part where you take the life because one, that does upset some people and two, some people get off on that kind of thing. Yeah, (laughs) so that part I will explain, but probably won't put in there. There are plenty of other resources where you can go watch that sort of thing, but I won't drive traffic to our channel for people to get off on that kind of thing. But I think the hardest part, honestly, is probably the cleaning part. And I think that's what most people want to see. So hopefully we can go through that. And I'm sure we'll get some hate mail for <laughs> for that sort of thing. But, but I think it's super important, especially right now. Like, stuff's really expensive. And if it, you want to maybe gross me your own meat, it's not necessarily going to be cheaper, but it, it might make you feel a little more f- like food secure. And if that makes you feel better about what's going on in the world right now, then I'm all about helping people do that. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't do a live video because it's just too much goes wrong. And, it, and, you know, and we talk really openly about making mistakes and things going wrong. And I do think that that's enough for stuff like that, because that allows people to know that, you know, they're, they're not alone. Things don't go smoothly a lot of the time and it's okay. You can recover from it. You know, you can do X, Y, Z to, to get over it or move forward. So that's why I wouldn't do a live. And I've been kind of debating, I'm not sure that I necessarily want to enter into the how-to realm. Maybe I will, though, if Sam does one, I'll do one too, just so that you can see the two different ways that we do it and kind of build something that works best for you. Because that's really what it's all about. Like, what equipment do you have? You know, what 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 do you want to do with this, you know, meat, stuff like that. So maybe I would do that, but I've never really thought about recording them because I mean we do things a little differently like we skin most of our chickens which a lot of people don't do uh, and we have a super cool trick for doing that it's kind of fascinating to watch in a weird way we use the air compressor and blow them up like a balloon <laughs> I might actually do that on a few because I find myself removing the skin a lot anyways but it's usually like after I cook and all the fatty stuff's already in the crock pot but I might do a few like that this time too I just gotta talk Matt into trying that method (laughs) all right last question from Ashley how did you meet each other and decide to start a podcast (laughs) Bev basically offered me candy on the internet and I said okay 
day and I got in her van. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not right. I knew that I had a story to tell and I wanted to tell it, but I was not confident enough to do it by myself. So you picked the weirdo girl with the pink hair at the time on YouTube. <laughs> Well, I just, I like, I felt internally that our experiences would be different enough that we could bring a whole host of, you know, help and support to the internet space. (laughs) But I also, I don't know, I just, like, sometimes you just, like, see someone and have a gut feeling, and and I just went for it, which is not something I would normally do. I mean, I've had severe social anxiety. I mean, I've been pretty open about what I've been dealing with the last couple of months. So sometimes I sit here and it's kind of a surprise like that it ever actually happened. But I'm glad it did. And I think a lot of other people are glad it did too. And I mean, your instinct was right. We're very different people and we do things differently. But I think you nailed it with that is a good thing. And I think the differences should be celebrated and You should be able to say, "Mm, that's not for me, but that's okay that it works for you. And I think we just continue to get more and more polarized in in so many areas of life that I like that we're still doing this because it shows that just because you don't agree on something doesn't mean that you can't hang out together, drink a few beers, and talk through something with a friend and maybe learn something and change your mind. That's exactly right. So I hope that... I hope that that's what we're an example of on the internet. And that wasn't necessarily the goal specifically when it first started. Like, I don't know that we really had a goal except that, like, I mean, I knew I felt lonely in what I was doing and you were new at it also. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, these gals have no idea what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. Like, they're new. (laughs) Like, why are they even teaching people. But and, and it, I, I think that was what made it so special, too, because we were like, we're going to do this thing. And we're like, oh, shit, that thing didn't work. Don't don't <laughs> maybe do this differently this way. And, you know, so it was good. And I'm sure some people laugh at us or still think that we're ridiculous, but I'm OK with that. That's fine, because I think one of my goals is just to make people laugh because there's not enough of that, I think, either. So Laughter is definitely one of my love languages, and I'm always inserting humor into the most inappropriate places. Yes, <laughs> that we do agree on. <laughs> so the next question is from underscore good fork underscore over on Instagram. And they asked if you were a farm tool which would you be and why? This one is like the flower one where it's kind of like, ooh, gosh. Hmm. I would be uh, my propane <laughs> burner torch. Oh, I love that answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. But can you expand on that for us all? So it, it's useful in, in all seasons. And it has a lot of different applications. Like, I mean... You know, you can use it to cut things if you don't have scissors in your pocket. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Just use fire. (laughs) Just use fire. Yeah. I mostly use it to burn holes in weed cloth for planting directly in the ground and de-icing gates. Or anything else on the farm when it gets iced, like the the hose hydrant thing. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of my of my blowtorch thing. And I like to think that I'm a little spicy and bring fire to 
all appropriate situations. <laughs> nice. I like it. What about you? <laughs> I'm just going to go with like a good old pitchfork. So you can use it for some things. Um, obviously shoveling shit. But I also use one regularly because my Juliana pig likes to move his dump and move his water dish. And I don't feel like getting in his pen. So I just use it to like bring it back towards me. But yeah, you can use it for a lot of things. And I think it's pretty iconic to the farm life. So I'll go with that. Yeah, I like it. All right. Oh, my gosh. I know I'm going to pronounce her handle wrong. And I apologize. I don't know why I've never asked how to pronounce her name. And I really should have because I've known her for forever on Instagram. But it is H-A. And I'm going to say it's gauche. Hagoish? Oh, Hagoish. Yeah, but H A G O E S C H. Just in case you want to look her up. Yes. And she says, raising dairy sheep or sheep in general on a small scale, please and thank you. Cheers. Oh, so she's giving us a topic suggestion. Yeah. I wanted to keep it in here because I it's I didn't feel like it was a specific question, but I did want to acknowledge that we got it and we'll add it to the list of things to research because I have no freaking clue how to deal with sheep. (laughs) I think they're similar to goats in some ways, but there's different mineral requirements. They're a fiber animal. I know Bev thought about getting sheep at one point too, so we will look into that. Absolutely. And Aurora Blue Farm, Ohio, Brittany, she's not that far from me. She started offering tanning classes at her farm. I was really bummed because I missed the sign up for the first one, which was the only one I knew I could commit to because the other ones are during times that I don't think I could get out there for a weekend. But I would love to go learn how to tan from her one of these days because sheep is something that I could add as like diversification for the things that I do here. Sorry, I got the hiccups all of a sudden. (laughs) Boo. I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) Our next question is from our friend Caitlin, a.k.a. Wild Rose Farmer. And she asked us, biggest learning moment as podcasters? Oh, gosh. I mean. (sighs) Not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. I kind of knew that already, but this just kind of solidified that, I think, based on some anonymous comments we've gotten in the survey and the one review that wasn't so positive. (laughs) Honestly, it's not, we haven't gotten a lot of hate. We've gotten a few weird messages sometimes, but most people have been supportive. And if they can't say anything nice, they just tend to not say anything at all. We've been really lucky. I don't think we're overly controversial either. So I think we've been, you know, be able to avoid some things because we stay away from a lot of that. But yeah, I think it's just another angle of it's okay if people don't like what you're doing. It doesn't matter as long as you feel good about it. And it is helping other people and it's not hurting anybody. Do it up. Yeah, I think that my biggest learning moment was actually when we went to Coop Camp. Oh, that's a good one. As a podcaster. Yeah. You know, I mentioned that I used to suffer from like severe social anxiety. So like going to something like that and grabbing a microphone and like getting up in front of people, like all of that was like that was just like so outside of my comfort zone. But I had done some things since, you know, obviously childhood and high school. So I had done some things in front of people and had a few like, you know, leadership roles and whatnot. But it was that moment that I realized that I could do this and be in the public eye and not 
be constantly worrying about what other people thought of me or judging me. Because I think that that's a real legitimate fear that a lot of people have when they're thinking about telling their story. Like, are people just going to think there's something wrong with me or that I'm weird or that I'm, you know, just not doing things right and that's why I'm struggling or something like that. But going and doing that and meeting people in person and standing up in front of them, I was just like, no, you know what? Like, I can do this and I can explain myself and I, I'm okay with being challenged. I can be challenged and respond to it in a way that doesn't totally devastate me and my ego. And, you know, because <laughs> some people can't. It, that's a skill that you have to learn, I think. And so podcasting has really helped me do that. I mean, I feel like a more well-rounded individual since I've been podcasting and sharing. Yeah. Grabbing the mic and doing chicken poop bingo narrating it doing commentary for that the first night was nerve-wracking <laughs> that was more nerve-wracking to me than the actual talk we gave because it was just like on the fly but it was still so cool it was still so fun it will always stick with me how we were like standing here with the mics and we were like how do we start this i don't know what to do and i <laughs> just shouted into the mic Hey there, Coop Camp, or something like that. <laughs> I was like, and I know I was like, who is this person that just entered the room next to me? <laughs> and I was like, we're doing it. All right, let's go. We started. <laughs> the conversation has started. <laughs> Gobbly Farms recently launched their new farm fresh and sustainable dog treats, Roomies. And there are so many benefits for all the doggos. They are hypoallergenic, which are is perfect for dogs with food sensitivities and they're rich in antioxidants for vitality and longevity. Broomies also contain essential oils to promote healthy joints and mobility and provide clean, all-natural grub protein for easy digestion. They also contain limited ingredients and are baked in the USA. Treat your dogs to a delicious and nutritious snack. Go to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM25 to get 25% off your first order. Okay, this is another Bev question, so I'm going to ask it to you. It's not farming related, but Bev, when did you get your nose pierced? <laughs> and you changed it already, too, you naughty, naughty person. <laughs> I did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know I did. Okay. Breaking the rules. I, I'm, I know. I'm just, like, totally doing what I want now. <laughs> that question came from Kathy Sitnik, and I got my nose pierced on April Fool's Day of all days. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but it's something I have been thinking about for a really long time because I had it done when I was in college, but I was never good at taking care of it. So like it got infected and it hurt and I just took it out. Plus, I think that my work didn't allow me to have it, which was weird because I worked at a piercing pagoda. So like, why wouldn't you let me have my nose pierced piercing pagoda? Oh, that is weird. So I just ended up taking it out because it was too difficult to maintain. But yeah, I got it done on April 1st. I waited a week and then I changed it out. <laughs> but I, I changed it out with, so it was pierced with surgical stainless steel, but I really wanted rose gold and I wanted implant grade titanium. So I got implant grade great titanium that was coated in 14 karat rose gold. So it's better for my nose anyways, like from a from a metal perspective, it's kind of a small hoop. So you have to like work to keep it clean, but I like it. I haven't had any problems, like no swelling, no pus, no nothing. So if anyone's thinking about it, go for it. It's got like a little like moonstone on it. So I turn that on the inside when I, when I want it to be a little less noticeable, but yeah, 
What do your kids think of it? They actually didn't notice it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're not very observant. Kids. I know. Or they just don't look at your face, which feels really <laughs> sad. It does. It has been, like, a busy, like, couple of weeks, though. So, in all fairness, like, they've only been, like, saying good morning to me. And then we've been having dinner together, and that's about it. But, oh, Aurora said that she wants hers done. I told her she had to wait until she's 16. A couple of people were like, oh, 18. And I was like, no, I'm not going to make her wait that long. Because, like, if she wants to have it done, like, what better time to do it than when I'm around so that if there's infection or something like that, like I can either help her take care of it or we can decide that she doesn't really like it and wants to take it out. My parents never let me do stuff like that. So I always did those kinds of things behind their back. And then like it caused problems later. You know what I mean? No, because I was I was scared shitless of my parents. So I didn't do any of that stuff until I was out of the house. See, and I I never, like, the only time I almost got grounded was for staying at church too late and not telling them where I was. Because I was flirting with the pastor's son and some missionaries, which was, you know, you know. If I'm going to flirt with somebody when I'm, you know, almost 18, that's probably who you should flirt with. But that's the only time that I almost got grounded. <laughs> uh, I had a belly button ring and a tattoo before I moved out of the house. And Oh, my gosh. See, I would. I don't know if my parents knew or not, but, yeah. <laughs> and the rebel. I'm team whatever the com- the parent is comfortable with. So, <laughs> but I can understand like your thought process there for sure. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from Elise Ferguson. And she said, how about podcast drink and farm long-term goals? What do you wish you had done different? Oh, so this is two different questions. So let's answer the first one first. Long-term drink and farm goals podcast goals I feel like we haven't had a long-term goals talk in a while (laughs) because we've just been in like survival mode I feel like and now I would say one of the near-term long-term goals is just to get caught up enough and plan ahead enough so that after I give birth we don't have to worry about recording for like three to four months yeah yeah, because uh, Sam's going to take her maternity leave no matter what. So if we don't get ahead, we're going to figure it out. So don't worry about that. But yeah, I think that's a really good long-term goal. I think that one of my other longer-term goals... Well, so I actually... I kind of... I, I hit one of my long-term podcast goals. Something I've always talked about and wanted to do was starting a farm podcasting network. And I did it. Positively Farming Media. And so now one of my more longer term goals is getting more comfortable with and better at the sponsor process, like for both Drink and Farm and the Positively Farming Media Network, approaching brands and companies and asking them, you know, to pay you for advertising can be really difficult, but it's really important because it's one of the ways that you pay for stuff like this, like We have a good time, but make no mistake, this is work. Right. And we pay people. Yeah. This is another job. We we have three people that are on the team that help keep us together now. So we we started with one and then we added another and now we have a third. And honestly, like we could probably use two more. (laughs) Or just pay ourselves for once. Like we didn't, yeah, we... We didn't have to report taxes for ourselves last year. That's how much we didn't pay ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But last year, we really just invested heavily back in the show. This is another long-term goal, I guess, is to get to pull some sort of paycheck 
from this. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it, and you know, people are like, oh, like, you know, you should do it because you love it. And I, we do, we do do it because we love it, but it's a job. It takes us away from other things that we want to do, even if we enjoy it. And a lot of people get a lot of benefit out of it. So, yeah, you can think of it as people in ways or us through sponsors getting paid for our knowledge and sharing that with you all and not charging you a paywall to just listen to us, period. Because some podcasters do that where you have to pay eight to ten dollars a month to listen to them on Patreon and it's behind a paywall. So you can think of it in terms of that way, too. Like we're offering you a lot of information for free and you know, we have our moments of vulnerability there, too, where we kind of put ourselves out there. So that's the way I look at it, too. And I don't want to say I love money. I said I love money. I love what money can do. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> money is just another tool in your tool belt that changes your life. I mean, and there's no getting around that. There's no reason to pretend like it doesn't. <laughs> right. No. And what do we wish we would have done differently? feel like I would have done the whole first year differently. <laughs> I won't go listen to those. <laughs> no, I won't go listen to those either. But honestly, like, probably not because we we did learn so much. But I think early on, I wish we would have had the foresight to maybe be a little more focused in our episodes and not jump around so much because we'd cover, like, two to three different things. So I like now that we're more focused. And I wonder if we were more focused up front if we might be farther along, but we might not. I think that's the one thing I might have done differently if I could hop in a time machine. But like I said, we also learned a lot, too. Yeah. What about you? I think I would have hired an editor sooner. Oh, (laughs) that's a good one, though, because it was taking up so much of your time. Yeah, it really was. I mean, oh, my gosh, like that. When I say that this was this is a second job, this is another job for for me, I spend hours on it every week, making sure that all the stuff is coordinated. And now I don't have to edit anymore, which is super helpful. But I did learn a lot of skills during it, which is useful. I can do enough editing to get in trouble. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dirty Paws Homestead asked us, how do you keep podcasting when it feels too hard or like it's too much? And she actually has a podcast, too. And the name of it escapes me. It's A Little Self-Reliant. And she's part of the Positively Farming Media Network. So, Bev, how would you answer this question? So, one of the ways that I always keep showing up for this when it feels so much is that because there's two of us, we can lean on each other. And also, we're counting on each other and we rely on each other. And I think that having that accountability makes it so much easier to continue to show up, even when it's hard. But also, like, more than that, it's not necessarily even about just pushing through and, like, say, recording when you don't want to or releasing an episode when you don't want to and you're not feeling it. We're also each other's support, You know, like when things have been hard or stuff's not going great, like we can pop on here, chat for 30 minutes or an hour about it beforehand. And then we put out a really fantastic episode because we basically just got to have like a friend therapy session beforehand and it makes everything better. So I think that the the teamwork makes the dream work is really all I'm trying to say here. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for me, just even doing is I... 
do a lot of like the show note type stuff and Bev's more of the I would say coordinator of making sure it gets out there and that our our team has what they need to be successful so we can all be successful sometimes I'm just not in the mood (laughs) to write show notes so one of the ways that I kind of get around that is when I am in the mood I go hard I might like while I'm editing the YouTube, because I know where I'm going to have to cut things because I was there. I'm also writing show notes at the same time if I feel so motivated. Or I might sit down and try to think of a bunch of topics for our straight no chasers for a month and get ahead that way. So when I do feel good, I kind of do things in bulk because of my responsibilities. That's possible. You can't, Bev, you can't really do that because it is like a weekly thing that you have to assign things out. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a daily thing sometimes. Like I have to check in to make sure nobody needs something from me, but that's excellent advice though. Like batch work, batching things really makes it easy. And if on my solo podcast, that's one of the things that I'm working on. And the whole reason why that hasn't started back up again, I might as well just say it here is I, I need to hire a team over there. I can't do it by myself. Not with this, not with the other surprise thing that I'm working on in the background, my kids, my real job, you know, and everything else. It's, it's too much for one person, but I do really still believe in that podcast and want to do it. So I've decided that the only way that I'm going to do that is if I'm hiring, if I have a team to work on that. So that is in the background. And I, I'm just, I'm trying to decide where to pull the money from to invest in it upfront because, you know, it'll, it'll cost more money than it makes for a long time, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with that because I think that in the long run, it'll be a good one, but yeah, I feel like I had one more thing I was going to add to that. I think some of it too is looking at tangible things like but you got to be careful because you don't want to get discouraged either. But like seeing how much our YouTube is growing pretty organically, just talking about it here and maybe posting something on social media, it's trending upwards in such a positive way. And getting the email from YouTube that said, oh, like you had 13,000 watched minutes last month. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's a lot compared to just understanding the views. So looking at metrics like that, Long term, not necessarily just week by week, because you can get discouraged if your downloads aren't so good for the podcast for a couple months. Podcasting while we do it year round, listenership seems pretty seasonal because people, when they're outside and doing stuff or mowing the lawn, they're going to listen to way more podcasts than they do just sitting in their house in winter. So I think rationally looking at metrics really helps me too. Mm -hmm. Last question. Yeah, our last question is from our teammate and fabulous friend, Katie, over at Sticky Holler Farm. And she asks, favorite thing or experience that's come from starting the podcast? Probably Coop Camp. That was a pretty fun experience. Yeah, it was tiring. That's for sure. I'm (laughs) glad we didn't drive back the day that it ended. That would have been so bad. We were both just like wiped. (laughs) But I think kind of what you were saying earlier, I think that's when I really realized that we had something really cool. And while we haven't been able to go back because COVID, I think that that was that experience was irreplaceable. And we met some really cool people that still listen to the podcast. So I would say that's my answer. Yeah. My favorite thing from starting the podcast, I think, is all the people that I've met getting to do it 
like if we hadn't have started a podcast, like I'm sure Sam and I would have been Instagram friends and chatted every now and then. But like because of this podcast, we we have a real friendship, you know, that not a lot of people get to have, you know, or with people that they meet online. And then because of that, it inspired me or it gave me the confidence, I guess, to meet more people online and maybe and and start other things um, with other people as well. Like I do Positively Farming Media with Caitlin Wildrose Farmer. Having this good experience with a partnership made me feel like I could go and ask her if she wanted to do that project with me. So now I get to work closely with two people that I get to talk to like a lot. And before I felt like I never really had a lot of friends, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) And, And now I have a lot of I have a lot of online friends. I do I do have a handful of close in-person friends that I see often, not nearly often enough, but like I, th- I think it's that. I, and and the just connection that I get to have with people. You know, people send me questions and I and I answer them or, you know, I'll interact, you know, with them in some other way they interact with me and it just it feels really good to connect with people. Yeah. And we've met some really fun people like Brad for Coop Camp and Tina from Henny and Rue and Haley from Grubblies. And we've gotten to interview some really fun people, too. So that's definitely I can agree with that one, too. And I love you, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's really important to point out because, you know, a lot of people talk about how much other people suck and I just don't think that that's true. I mean, I, I I already have a sunny disposition when it comes to stuff like that, and I'm an eternal optimist. But like, it's it's good to like see it work out in practice too. You know, I mean, some people do suck, but you're right. Not everybody is out to get you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people in this community, if you can find the right ones genuinely want to help you. They don't want to see you fail and they'll cheer for you. Yeah, feels good to have a a cheering squad. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, and we're always your cheering squad too. Yes. (laughs) Go team. (laughs) So thank you for giving us your questions. If you missed it and you didn't get to ask us questions, you can email those to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Instagram or Facebook. And we do have room in our mini-sodes to answer questions there too. So if you want us to do that on our mini-sodes, feel free to say, hey, can you answer this on an episode? If it's not something that's urgent, we're happy to do that too. Any time of year, no matter what the episode number is. Yeah. All right. So make sure you leave us a review. If you haven't already, we don't have one for this week. Spoiler, we did record these a little out of order. So we do have one in the next episode. So don't worry, (laughs) Kathy, you're next week. I don't want you to feel like we missed it. So what we do when we do have a review is we read one every week and then we pick from the reviews that we read that month at random and that person wins an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in the shop. So make sure you leave your Instagram handle or name or something like that so we can match you up if you win. Yeah. And just real quick, 
We have a series over on Patreon. It's called Straight No Chaser. It's available to our patrons at the $5 level and above. So if you want to get to listen to all of those episodes, go to patreon.com slash drink and farm, sign up at the $5 or above level, and you can totally binge them. There's a ton. I don't even know what number we're on, but it's a lot. And they're a lot of fun. It's over 52. Yeah. And it's funny. We actually might need to revisit some of those old topics from the Straight No Chasers because like someone asked me about something and I was like, oh, we did an episode on that. And then I tried to find it and I couldn't. And it was a straight no chaser. (laughs) Uh, That just means that you guys need to go sign up so you can get access to that extra information. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff on there that we haven't touched on in the podcast. I think it was really helpful. (laughs) So go do it. Make sure you also take a look at the show notes today to find a link to our social media, our shop, and a survey where you can anonymously tell us how we're doing. But yeah, that's it. Happy 200th episode. I feel like we should have been like eating cake or something. Oh, maybe we'll do that for 300. There we go. Maybe I'll just (laughs) make a cake on the day that this drops and eat it anyways. Because I like cake. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. (laughs) Bye now. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm.